Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Six Feet Under, the Q&A section of the website. As you may have heard, as you may be excited for, as I'm certainly excited for, our upcoming campaign this time, now that we're done with 13th Age, is going to be Mouse Guard. So, we decided to accept a few questions from the listening audience about what the heck Mouse Guard is, and that seems like a great first question. Ironicus, what the, what the heck is Mouse Guard? Uh, well, it's a role-playing game based on the uh, fantasy, yeah, it's it's fantasy, a uh, graphic novel series of the same name by David Peterson, uh, game design by Luke Crane uh, of Burning Wheel fame, because this basically is a uh iteration on the burning wheel design and torchbearer is a further iteration of the mouse guard uh uh rules but now we're getting a little away from ourselves aren't we oh that's all right but that does bring up another question how on earth did a graphic novel become a game i just because it's cool man i mean how many uh how did star wars become a game how did just good old-fashioned fans making stuff that becomes official basically uh i guess nice the the more interesting story is how a uh there's also a board game that is just shown like mice in the the comics are shown playing this grid-based game that doesn't have any rules or anything then luke crane looks at that like i could make that a real game and so there's there's a strategy uh movement game it's sort of like mouse checkers called swords and strongholds and you can check that out too that's great i (laughs) quick quick sidebar i really love when stuff like that happens something similar happened for the Discworld series there was a card game in that called Cripple Mr. Onion, which is just supposed to be like comedically complicated and it has eight suits. <laughs> it's like if poker was horrible. But then, of course, like official rules for Cripple Mr. Onion came out and it's just like 10 pages of nonsense. And I'm never going to learn how to play that because it just seems like suffering. But I'm glad it exists. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I guess to compare Swords and Strongholds is indeed playable. Uh, b- yeah, by people in their better. right mind. So okay, yeah, that's a good. <laughs> I re- there's something about a bagel and a double bagel and cripple Mister Onion, and that's about as deep as I get. But anyway, you mentioned that it was Burning Wheel, which leads on into the next question. Mouse Guard is Burning Wheel, right? What is Burning Wheel? How do I tell it from D20 or Fate? Well, uh, as far as task resolution, it's a uh, dice pool system. You have ratings and you roll that number of dice to hopefully get uh, enough successes to overcome. But uh, the way it's used is uh, you you have a lot of other, I guess, uh, uh, resources other than just the numbers on your sheet, or rather the numbers on your sheet represent actual resources, uh, and so, so you're also able, uh, in, in mouse guard, a, a fun thing to do is if you don't have the skill right now, you can tap into your nature and get a great big pool, but maybe your nature degrades or the same with your health or will. Oh, and nature is a measure of how mousy you are. So eventually you could tax all of that and you just become, uh, this, I don't you you'd become something else. You would not belong in society anymore. When I read the Mouse Guard rule book, I always interpreted that as becoming more human, which sounds right. like the worst. Yeah. I just automatically filled that in in my head as like the worst fate for a mouse. <laughs> 
Well, uh, they give one uh, uh, example from the books. Just about everything has an example from uh, David Peterson's actual stories. So, hey, you, oh, you know they're cool. paying attention to source of, of an old sort of veteran who, when uh, he's found in the narrative, is just living this uh, life of a hermit. Like, oh, well, back uh, as a young mouse, he hit zero nature and just retired and left. Left mousehood. Yeah. That's pretty good. Alrighty. So speaking of mechanics, are there any mechanics that you especially dislike or will not be using? As uh, well as the opposite? Any mechanics that you're especially fond of? I mean, I've never run on using? an... Uh, uh, campaign of this so we're going to see we're going to learn by doing uh okay. jump in with both feet right i want to try to try everything at least once and, and until we get it right and then we'll see what works for us we're how flexible. about you tell me the one rule that you remember most that's specific to mouse guard and not burning wheel as a whole and we'll see if that turns out to be your favorite in the end <laughs> oh gosh i should have read burning wheel wah, wah. i'm such a fake uh, gm boy it's true I mean, I haven't fucking read the rule book for the game we're discussing, so whatever. <laughs> At least not within the past 10 years or so. I th I really like the little things, like uh, rewarding players for uh, remembering what happened uh, in your last session and giving them a chance to like deliver uh, like previously on recap. And you, you get to give them a little bonus point and stuff like that. That would be a fantastic change from the 13th Age campaign, huh? Stuff like that is fun, yeah. <laughs> so here's the next question, switching from mechanics over into narrative. Mm -hmm. What is the narrative of Mouse Guard as written in the rulebook? What are you especially interested or disinterested in? What are you adding? Well, th this to me is the fun part. Uh, one reason I wanted to do this game is that it is, uh, it has so many familiar fa uh, fantasy adventure bits, but it's in other ways the exact opposite of our 13th Age campaign. Like I wanted nice. to narrow the scope. I wanted to make it a small story and you can't get much uh -huh. smaller than mice, right? It it works perfectly. So uh, the the story is that there are there's this society of mice who are who have built themselves uh, cities and uh, a society with you know people plying their trade and trying to raise their families. But the only way the lives of these uh, uh, common folk are possible in a great big world where everything is bigger than you and it either wants to eat you or wants to eat the food you need to survive. Uh, well, that's where the mouse guard, the, the organization comes in. They are pathfinders and uh, they uh, protect caravans. They, they do all of the uh, dangerous jobs in the wilderness, uh, uh, hunting predators and saving people from floods. Uh, I, I'm really interested to do a game where like a rainstorm is dangerous after handling the, these demigods basically that, that is high level 13th age. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. 
so one thing that we're doing with this game, uh, if you're familiar with the source material, uh, all the mainline volumes are dated, like uh, fall 1152, winter 1152. We are starting in spring of 1148. So I guess what we're bringing oh. to uh, the narrative is the things that happened before. We are the prequel. Uh, I don't want to spoil too much before we've even started playing the game, but uh, the, the main narrative deals with things in the aftermath of something that we're going to play the lead in to. I, I, I haven't read those books in a really long time, but I think I remember just enough for that to be a real fucked up thing to say. <laughs> okay, next up, moving away from Mouse Guard specifically, what themes, intentional or emergent, do you most fondly remember from 13th Age? And are there any themes that you'd like to emphasize in this mouse guard campaign? Oh, well, I did a whole little uh, recap blog post about the themes that I cared about inserting in 13th Age, some that I think came through better than others. Uh, And so uh, uh, if you want to link to that for people to to see them in uh, the full thoughts, but just sort of bullet points, I I really wanted to talk about... uh, the uh how power is utilized and uh the the idea of power as an expendable resource which i think is something that is true to a degree but it's used as an excuse for the powerful to not use it uh more often than it is uh, a real problem uh and I think the the interesting thing about Mouse Guard is that the setting comes with its own themes baked in. Uh, it's a story about a society where people are prisoners of their own homes, and you play as the people who transcend that and, and are the exceptions that make that work. And there's a real fun tension right there to play with. Uh, things like you you are above these people because you have more skills, more abilities, more freedom, but you are subservient to them uh, outside while uh, simultaneously inside. I I think the big theme is finding your place. And if you even have a place in the world that you've dedicated your life to preserving. I like that. And to your point about the conflict between having power and using power. Mm-hmm. That reminds me of what you just said about uh, part <laughs> of the burning wheel system being spending some of your uh, nature or other stuff and then having it be, you know, gone. So, yeah, I think mechanically and narratively and fucking legacy wise coming off of 13th age, you're in a pretty fucking good spot to explore that theme in depth. Mm hmm. Next up is a very good question that I'm sure has been on most listeners' minds. <laughs> is this Redwall? I wouldn't know. I didn't read those as a kid or middle schooler or whenever you're supposed to read Redwall. Uh, I, I mean, I, I'm fully aware of the, the surface level similarities. You, you are mice with swords going to, to mouse war. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, beyond that, I honestly wouldn't know. Uh, I, I, I do know that Redwall has a reputation for being banquet and otherwise food obsessed that uh, does not carry over to, to Mouse Guard at all. So there's one difference. But um, people sort of 
uh, familiar with most, I'd, I'd like for you to tell me. Uh, <laughs> I haven't read Redwall in a really long time, but from what I do remember, um, Redwall is like a couple steps more towards traditional fantasy in that mm-hmm. um, though the majority of creatures are small and there are threats that are larger, like the world is scaled appropriately to the smaller things like the castle Redwall, if I remember that right, it, that would make sense. Like it's not nestled into the roots of a tree like the majority of settlements or castles in Mouseguard are. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, a castle at mouse scale. So that's a pretty that's a pretty strictly like scale wise comparison. But yeah. it, it That's as, something I really enjoy about the the setting, the series. Uh one thing I worry about with our game is I think one of the the greatest strengths of Mouse Guard is obviously David Peterson's art. It's incredible how much yeah, it's super uh, good stuff. And that's something you're not going to get from an audio format. So sorry, folks. Uh, but just the the thought that goes into um, setting building just through like design of architecture and uh, the tools and objects just around people's or mouse's homes is uh just so much fun and and something that really draws me to the the books yeah so. mouse guard does a really good job of staying at that scale like mm-hmm. even when the camera the viewer themselves is down to the scale of the mice you still feel small yeah um, yeah and i'm also i'm also remembering i don't remember when it was exactly but there's one point where there is an underground waterway kind of thing that has a lot of like uh, aqueduct style columns up into a mm-hmm. dark ceiling and it's like a massive structure but we we might be seeing it, that setting late game that yeah that's... <laughs> probably it was pretty cool i mean it would be a shame not to go there but like even though it's a it's an interesting way to make a setting seem simultaneously enormous and really small because despite the size of the setting in comparison to your main characters, the mice, um, Mouse Guard still does a good job of conveying that, yes, these mice mm-hmm. are really small. And it's... if a human cracked open the top of this waterway, it would just be like, oh, weird, who put all these stupid rocks in this waterway? <laughs> it's it's the most realistic uh, take I think you can get from mice walk on their hind legs and have forged swords and invented yeah. masonry. <laughs> I I think the best thing I can say about Mouse Guard is that if there was just a fucking human that just wandered through and kicked over a Mouse Guard castle without even noticing, that would totally make sense within, within the conceit of the world. Mm-hmm. Like in Redwall, having a human stomping around would just feel weird. It would feel like an actual giant. But in Mouse Guard, I don't know. It would be recognizable as a possible natural disaster, though unlikely. Because well, you know, yeah, there, there exactly are no reason. people in the yeah. setting at all. So I, but, I guess you're thinking of a moose. You're thinking of a moose attack. Yeah, yeah, something like that. A moose attack. <laughs> Gigantic herbivorous. I guess I'm kaiju. saying that. I guess I'm saying that Redwall setting seems completely impossible to host humans in it as well, because everything the, there are roads, there are you know, like bridges and streams everywhere out in the open that are designed for mice scale. Mm -hmm. But in Mouse Guard, so much of mouse culture is hidden that it wouldn't surprise me if it was uh, 
Although, if there were just a little bit of people, it would explain one thing. So, oh my goodness. All right, I'm going to divert into a sidebar here. Uh, <laughs> a, a while ago, uh, one of our players, I'm I'm being intentionally cagey about who our lineup is for this because uh, it's some of... Everyone should be familiar to Feats listeners, but that doesn't necessarily mean they were all 13th Age regulars. I get that, but at the same time, only the really devoted fans are going to listen to this podcast, so you can just admit that it's me playing six characters. (laughs) One of our players, who may or may not have been one of uh, Ix's selves, uh, asked about where cheese comes from, because... Well, a mouse is not going to milk a cow or goat, etc. And then we just spent the whole night tearing our hair out because like, oh, what if it uh, you can make cheese from almond milk? Oh, almonds don't grow in this uh, 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 climate. What if it's soy? Soy would be perfect. Um, the, the, the wilderness is, is based on northern Michigan. Uh, There's so many soy farms. It's great. But no, soy was introduced uh, by European colonists. So if there's no people, uh, they they cannot. There's nowhere the cheese should come from. This is a a mouse-based setting that is cheeseless. (laughs) Have they ever shown cheese in the comic books? A few times. I I tweeted at David Peterson, like, please save us. (laughs) <laughs> and and he said, he yeah, you? that's why I try, uh, I don't show cheese anymore. <laughs> oh, shit. You're in hell too then. It's a, it's a little bit too uh, realistic. It's, it's a little bit too like logical for its own good in some portions. <laughs> yeah. Maybe one of the characters should be like, they like have waking dreams about cheese where they're convinced that it exists. But then when they think about it too hard or go looking for it they're like wait what am i thinking about that's Mm -hmm. not something that exists i guess the fucking make one of the characters do the mandela effect because that's really hip and trendy uh so right now i'm coming down on either uh b uh uh some sort of caterpillar silk or or you know some sort of secreted insect protein that that can be curdled into cheese or c uh uh a plant protein like soy, but not soy. We just don't know what it is. Uh, the unspoken A is just not sweating it because it's incredibly trivial. <laughs> I don't know, but when you sweat it like this, this is where you get super interesting world building stuff out of it. Yeah. One of these settlements has a near monopoly on the uh, protein secreting caterpillars. Yeah, or it could just be like another that soy like plant could just be something that's only mouse scale. It's like a mold that happens to have protein in it. Oh yeah. That humans like us never bother discovering because it's mold and we have soy, I guess. I mean, yeah, one mold makes the protein, the other mold because that's what cheese is, makes makes it into yeah, cheese. It's, so <laughs> it's maybe cheese was process. like naturally occurring. So mice just discovered cheese and they're still trying to like backwards you know backwards engineer how to actually make cheese anyway mm-hmm. that's what yeah well that's, that's the end of that sidebar i guess no it isn't actually because <laughs> one of the questions that we got before i was more specific about it being related to mouse guard was a request for your top five cheeses from <laughs> i forgot about that one from twitter oh. user twitter user pagetish 
All right. I'm not going to give you a top five cheese, but I am going to tell you one okay, thing. Okay, not answering the question. One great, thing you should start. do with cheeses that if you're not doing it, you're going to thank me. Okay. Uh, what you want to do is you want to make uh, a pasta sauce, even a canned pasta sauce, you know, whatever your recipe or, or brand of choice is. You want to put that in a, a shallow, maybe a corningware dish in the oven for a while, get it hot and toasty. And then you want to put in a big pad of like soft goat cheese and then sort of with a fork or a whisk or something get that together into a creamy cheesy goat cheese sauce and then put that on anything you'd put uh, a tomato sauce on and that is going to be the best meal you've eaten in some time there you go that sounds pretty good it's really good i'll uh understate that so uh if you're not going to actually answer the question i guess i'll (laughs) just have to retrofit the question into top five theories about where mouse guard cheese comes from uh, monster is my covered... best sandwich cheese goat cheese is top cheese of all time and i don't really know what other cheeses you need once i move the goalposts you can't just run over to the two holes in the ground and be like yeah monster <laughs> it just doesn't work that way uh, you can't just shout monster you're into right the it doesn't work that way because there's only one hole from a goalpost well, this is a really bad sport that we're playing. <laughs> this is a mouse sport. Like, look, getting material with the st- structural integrity to make the Y shape is kind of annoying when you're just starting out inventing a sport. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you just dig two it's holes true. and do two twigs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How's your uh, high, high school now? Um, uprights do tend to be big H's rather than big Y's. You've got yeah, me there. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Fucker. Do mice curse? Because I sure do. Uh, we're going to find out when we start recording the sessions. I sure hope so. So let's get back to the actual questions, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, this next one comes in from me. Yeah. Uh, will there be notable core representation like Monster Hearts and Costume Fairy Adventures? By core representation, what do you mean? I mean, like, I mean, I happen like to know that you've abs? done the character development sessions already. Uh, I mean, like, like, are they good at Pilates? You're uh, gonna get put in the hole in the ground. <laughs> I mean, like, core characters, be they PC or NPC, who are LGBT. Ah, okay. Like, are there are there already characters who are like that? Since I know you've done the character creation so far, or are there? I'd be shocked if be? there weren't. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a good our, answer. Our players certainly are. Uh, you know, there, there's a section on like your um, character sheet for, and this is one thing I love about the game, your family, a friend, and an enemy. And oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Nobody went with a romantic entanglement for any of those. Oh, uh, well. I'm sure it's going to happen. It just hasn't happened yet. All right. Because uh, I'm going to have to fucking get in there and make some changes to be, <laughs> like... Now, uh, it's something that it it reminds me of one of the things I'm excited to try about this in regards to um, our first time really tugging on an established setting. I mean, we did a Glorantha one shot, but that was a one shot. And so quack. uh, Now now we actually get to inhabit this world for an extended period of time. So there, there are things that don't come up in the books much like what. 
uh, mouse faith looks like. Is there religion in the territories? And romance oh, question. is th- there are families and and people care about their their children and it's very sweet and warm and their siblings, but romance is very very thin of any kind. Uh so I'm I'm excited to have a chance to uh see if love can bloom on the battlefield. Great. Well, we worked that in. <laughs> can I ask a quick unrelated question? Sure. Um, is it did did that little uh, reference come off the cuff or did you think of it about like 3 minutes ago and we're just waiting? No, no, no. That was uh I just a few seconds before and the other little right. voice in the back of my head was screaming no 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 the whole time. Uh, <laughs> the co-commentator of your co-commentator basically. All right, so I have one more main question and then things get a little off topic. Sure, sure. Let's say uh of everything we've discussed so far, what is your favorite part of the mouse guard setting? Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Uh well I already talked about uh a lot of them. So let's see. Uh I think it's just the okay. Here we go. Now uh we're finally after what are we? Almost half an hour in, uh I'm I'm going to give my pitch for why the setting is so cool. All right. When I was in middle school, I was reading the Lord of the Rings series, as a lot of kids in middle school do, right? And right, the whole yes. time, uh, after the first few chapters, when the uh, adventure actually starts, I'm thinking, where is the prequel book about Strider and his friends in the north doing all this badass monster hunting shit and protecting all these people in the Shire who don't even know they're there? And that is basically what Mouse Guard is. That's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> So that's something I, I really enjoy about it. I enjoy that it has uh, – th- there's no fantasy element about it per se. Like there's no magic. There's no uh, great monsters except that what is a snake to uh, a mouse except an incredibly deadly beast? Or what is – a an owl besides a dragon without fire breath, but with knives for feet, you know, knives for feet, see in the dark, completely right. quiet, you know, so I would, I might go with the dragon, all things considered. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, so, so that's, uh, that's something I really enjoy about the setting. And I think the, the, uh, rule set really brings out, uh, and also just the, uh, the tenacity of and at their best nobility of the guard itself uh you know the the slogan it matters not what you fight but what you fight for and how that gets pushed and pulled on uh also i'm going to love having uh beliefs and instincts on my players character sheets that i get to yeah that's uh, pretty handy wrestle with in similar ways yeah. uh getting to just like just like take the mechanics to just reach your hands into a character and really fuck him up with mm-hmm. a scenario. Like it's possible in 13th age, but it's nice to have like a real mechanical, um, you know, listeners of friends at the table will be very familiar with <laughs> techniques of fucking with characters. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right. So I think that covers all the big questions. So now let's get into the fun questions. Mm-hmm. Here's a question that I want to ask just so I can practice, just because I want to say the exact phrasing. Mice are tiny, weeny, mini small. How big can their <laughs> adventures be? I mean, it depends on how you uh, define size, right? I What's a bigger adventure than uh, trying to defend uh, an entire city's food supply from a wildfire that they're going to need or, or else they'll starve over the winter? That's pretty big. Also, that past argument about how owls are scarier than dragons is also pretty Owls are telling. absolutely scarier than dragons. Because, I mean, when it's something that exists and exists only to eat you six times a night, there's there's a... Uh, I think this one might come out before uh, Session Zero, the character creation. But if you like us talking about owls in this one, there's a great conversation about owls in that one. Uh, oh, yes. I happen to be privy to that one. So, um, players of this game, uh, stop listening right here so I can tell Ironicus something secret. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, Ironicus. Yeah. Um, you should have a segment where you're leading the players on into thinking there's a dragon and then it's a pangolin. <laughs> or even better, like, uh, you know, uh, platypus would also be pretty great. I mean, it's like, oh, there's a, there's a water swimming creature with poisonous barbs. I do really enjoy the uh the the groundedness, the relatability of the setting and I could be swayed into betraying that for a platypus, but it would take some pulling. Like I'm I'm not going to do it just because you floated the idea. Okay, I'll keep working on that one. <laughs> Okay, so here's a question from Skunk Rocker, and I held it back because I figured we would kind of cover it, and I was right. Uh, I already have several furry role-playing games. What sets Mouse Guard apart from the pack? And I think that it's really is just what we were talking about. It's not particularly furry as I understand yeah. it. I mean... Yeah, I think what we were talking about with Redwall is really the best way to describe mm-hmm. that. Like, this is specifically mice. This is mice-scale stuff. Yeah, the, the question is... Uh, that underlies the whole setting uh game and graphic novels alike is like what if mice had a society what would that look like and the first answer is they'd be constantly under siege from everything jesus christ it's terrifying yeah and that seems just about correct it's even distinct from like zootopia which is probably like the best example of a furry ish thing that still keeps like realistic animal proportions Mm -hmm. where the little rodentia, I think it's called, yeah. where all the super tiny people in the city live. Even that is presented as from the scale of Judy, who is, you know, not human sized, but still a hell of a lot bigger. Mm-hmm. So, like, just going back to Mouse Guard and Redwall, Mouse Guard is mice from the scale of mice as opposed to mice from the scale of humans or mice as humans, which is kind of what Redwall is. So, there you go. Here's another good, great question, wonderful question from Pagetish, who, this is also a very familiar question for anybody who listens to Friends at the Table. Mm -hmm. How does Ironicus plan to leverage the harsh life of mice to make me cry even more? (laughs) I mean, I'm really looking forward to that possibility because, again, this is a game about people's uh, relationships and their beliefs. And uh, none of my PCs that I know of are orphans, huh? 
yet. How about Not that? Not yet, anyway. <laughs> Cracks Knuckles gets to outlining. Um, huh. C-R-A-X-N-K-N-U-X is also my knuckle tats, by the way. Yeah, I heard about that. Thank you. So, I guess that that's also kind of a nice poetic thing to say about like the camera being the scale of mice. It's a small scale. It's focused in on individuals and their individual right. tragedies. This is a, a tension that I really tried to play in 13th Age. The the personal and the like internal from the, the PCs and relationships between the PCs played off against these huge cosmic threats. Obviously, I'm thinking about uh, late game because that's the most recent. It's, it's what's in my head. Yeah. And I'd like to uh, instead... You know, move that from like it, it replace the cosmic with the domestic, because they're right. they're constantly going to be meeting average mice who don't go out into the wilderness, who like living in you know their their settlements inside tree trunks or, or hidden under stream rocks or, or wherever it may be. I think that's going to turn out to be pretty powerful because like one of the best moments from Thirteenth Age, in my opinion, it was late. But when the team returned to Eridu and the people of Eridu were not appreciative in any way, that was probably one of the most effective. They were having scenes. the worst week. They were having the anyone worst has ever week. had. <laughs> yeah, and we on our big, big ass global scale, big shit heroes kick. Uh, we were less than prepared for that in a really effective way. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad people enjoyed that. I, I know the PCs certainly didn't, but I'm, I'm glad at least one player uh, really sunk their teeth into what I was going for there. <laughs> and I hope the listeners did because I, I thought it was a curve worth throwing for sure. Okay, so now we're getting down to the fucking dregs of the question here. Oh, um, here's, here's one. Here's one from one of your own players. I won't reveal who. Um, what is each mouse's favorite thing to guard? Let me open up my um, uh, document that just has like the one-line summary of each mouse. This won't be too spoilery if I don't attach names. Uh, this one's brown. This one's gray. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, the proletariat. Okay. Uh, their own secrets. Uh, right. their honor, their team, uh, their reputation, hmm. their family, and also their secrets. There's, there's two that fall okay. in that That's one. good. I think the two secrets and the reputation one are going to be very choice for you to fuck with. Oh yeah, for sure. That's my immediate impression of them. Ironicus, that sure was a lot of mice that you just listed for one game. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, yeah, you yeah. keep floating friends at the table references uh here's another parallel people might want to draw split parties split parties alternating adventures uh i didn't do that just to copy uh Hiron. uh i did that because i knew people a lot of people would be interested in this game and it's a game that's best suited to parties of three ish four at the most yeah uh, the fact that such a successful and wonderful show has proven that it works helped, but it—that's it, yeah, just gravy. It's really a matter of just game design, frankly, game design and player demand, and so it, it gives me a chance to show off twice as much of the territories. Yeah, that's some good stuff right there too. 
So I think with that one last like big actual fact about a campaign, that's a great place to stop the Q&A. Oh, okay. So, yeah, thank you for joining me. Thank you for the tantalizing hints. Yeah, I I really wanted to do this episode to communicate sort of the plans for what we have going forward uh, in a out-of-character way, because I think that's the best way to deliver exposition. <laughs> uh, and also, yeah, to wet people's whistles. So uh, keep an eye out for uh, episode zero, where you get to meet those mice and sort of compare their goals to their names and players. And then, of course, our missions coming down the pipeline. Now, why don't you deliver that classic outro that people have been people have been pining for the ending ever since this podcast started? Really? Yes. Wow, they must hate listening to me then. <laughs> uh, and uh, with that, uh, for the first time in this new series, good night, folks. So we forgot one last thing. I forgot the best question we got for some somehow. Um, Ironicus? Ironicus? Yes. Ironicus? Any mouse in there got a gun? All right. Uh, he's got all black fur, but with red eyes. And his name is Nightblade. You should just keep talking about this and I'll slowly fade it out as the <laughs> outro goes. I said that none of uh, the PCs submitted were orphans, but I was wrong. Uh, Well, it was sort of a half-truth. Nightblade is a double orphan. Uh, That means he he used to have five parents, and now he has none. He watched them all get eaten by a snake with two heads. Uh, And so now he keeps a gun with two bullets, uh, one for each snake's head and he won't use the gun on anything else but nobody else knows that so he gets a lot done just by threatening people with his, with his gun and actually the, the name of each snake's head is engraved uh, one on each bullet so he has to shoot them in the right order he's been practicing this a lot in his head uh, he cries a lot but only on the inside is that enough to fade out on? <laughs> Yeah, but keep going for like the next half hour or so just for my own records. People think it's ironic that his name is Nightblade, but he doesn't use a sword. You're wrong. He could use a sword. He used a sword for many, many years, but he's too good with it. He uh, doesn't use a sword. He only uses his bare hands and feet just so that like the foxes have uh, uh, a chance against him. One time he killed a weasel just by looking at him. It was a really withering look. Uh, Nightblade uh, is a character I've been working on since I was 14, and I never stopped. I mean, I stopped working on him, but I never stopped being 14. Uh, but, 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 I'm, run, I'm running out of Nightblade. <laughs> uh, I've got this scene where he meets Gnome's character because we worked on him together. Gnome and I do that sometimes. And uh, he's going to come out and be like, Brother! And Gnome's character is going to be like, What? Because they don't know their brothers. They share three out of the same five parents. Um, this is harder than, my mind, than it's... I changed my mind, by the way. I'm leaving this all in. <laughs> 